Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning to all of you. So excited for the baptisms that are about to happen. Can't wait for that. Before we get into that, we're just going to take a look at the Word of God together. And you know, over the past few weeks, I've had this memory that keeps popping up in my mind. It's something that I forgot had even happened in my life. And do you ever have that happen where something just triggers this memory? And you're like, oh yeah, that did happen to me. And you start to kind of relive it. Well, I've been reliving this memory. It goes back to when I was pretty young. I was probably in second or third grade, like maybe seven, eight years old. And a bit of a backstory is that I grew up living really close to my grandparents. We were just down the road from them. We would go to their house all the time. I called them Granny and Papa. And Granny and Papa were the best. It was like a vacation going to their house. And my younger brother and I would spend a lot of time there. And I think one of the reasons we loved to go there is because they just spoiled us rotten. We got to do whatever we wanted. Um, I remember we could watch as much TV as we wanted to watch. Um, We could stay up late at night. And I think my granny had a candy dish probably in every room of the house. It felt like it. And she had the really good chocolate. And we could have as much as we wanted, as much as we wanted. It was the best. And I just remember I would walk into my grandparents' house. They would come to the door, give us big hugs. And my granny, it felt like she would hold me for about 10 minutes She was like the best at hugs, and she would hold me and ask how I was doing, and then pretty much the next words out of her mouth was, okay, Livy, what do you want to eat? What do you want me to cook you? She was that awesome southern grandma, and she would spend hours cooking this meal from scratch, like every time we went, and it was just a place of real love, of generosity, Like, I could have asked for anything, and they would give it to me. And they were like that with everybody. It was, I think they would literally give you the shirt off their back. And I remember in their home, in the kitchen dining area, there was this closet. And my little brother and I liked to play in there, because we could close the door, we could play hide and seek, we might go in there and play with our toys, like with my Barbie dolls and his Hot Wheels cars. And I remember one day I was in there by myself, and I closed the doors, and I started to look at what was on the shelves in the closet. And I came across these little books. They were really small. They were like maybe three inches by three inches. And they were made to look like a Bible. It said Holy Bible on the front. And it just, on the inside, there were a few pages, and it just had some main verses from the Bible that people could maybe have in their purse or their pocket. Well, I thought they were super cool. I had never seen anything like that. And I thought they were so cool that I proceeded to just 
put a couple of them in my pocket. And I didn't ask anybody. I didn't tell anybody. And so, yes, you can say I'm like part of the Bible Stealers Club. I've stolen Bibles, which is like a huge contradiction in and of itself. But I go home, and I kind of forgot they were in there. But I think my mom was doing the laundry, and she came across them, and she said, came to me, Livy, where'd these come from? And so then I had to make the drive back to Granny and Papa's house, which was usually a short drive, but it felt very long this time because I had to go in and say, I am sorry, I have stolen from you. I took these. And now on the other side of that, it just seems absolutely ridiculous to me that I would have done that in the first place to steal from my granny and papa, these people who would give me anything. And not only would they do it, but they wanted me to ask them for anything. And I think that can be really similar to our relationship with God, can't it? Because as a little girl of like seven or eight years old, I didn't realize the full definition of what it meant to be their granddaughter. I didn't realize the extent of just how much they loved me, how much they would give me. And I think we're like that with God. We don't sometimes fully understand how much he loves us or how much he freely gives all he has to us. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we just aren't even aware And today, we're going to see how important it is to know that, to know that in our hearts. And so, would you just pray with me? We're going to pray, and then we're going to look at this a little more together. So God, as we just look at your word, I just pray that you would make it alive, that you would make it real, and that we would just get a better picture of who you are, God, who you are, Jesus. And what you do for us, how much you love for us, your love for us. We just ask you to come, Holy Spirit. Amen. So last week, Andrew began our new series where we're studying the book of Ephesians. It's in the New Testament of the Bible. And the title of this series is, Who Do We Think We Are? Who are we? Who are we as followers of Jesus? Or if you're here and you haven't yet decided to follow Jesus, I hope that as we talk about it, it will give you a better picture of who Jesus is. And Andrew said last week that Ephesians is actually a letter. It was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote um, to the church that was in this city called Ephesus, which today would be in the modern-day place in the Middle East where the country of Turkey is. And he wrote this way back in the first century. But Andrew said, you know what? This, everything he wrote was for Christians everywhere. It was for Christians then, Christians now, and everyone in between. It's for all of us. And Paul begins this chapter by highlighting the three persons of God. He tells us that there's God the Father. There's God the Son, who we have complete forgiveness through. That's Jesus. And that we have the Holy Spirit, that's the third part of God, that's with us today. And being a Christian just means that we have relationship with God. 
the living God. And today we're going to look at what happens after the start of that relationship. So let's read a few verses together. We're going to start in chapter 1 with verse 15. And this is Paul writing um, to these people. And he says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. So right off the bat, we see that Paul is super grateful for these folks, that he loves them. He has this deep affection And he's also just saying, well done, good job, Ephesians. You are doing a good job of following God. But he does go on to say, I still want more for you. I want more for you. Just look in verse 17. And Paul is praying this prayer for the people. And he He's praying, God, give them spiritual wisdom and insight so that they know you better. Paul's consistent prayer for these kids, for these men, for these women, is that they know God more and more. And just like with my granny and papa, I needed to know how much they loved me and how much they would give me anything And Paul knows that that's what God's children need to know too. His great love, his generosity to us. That he gives us everything we need. And it goes back to the title of our series. Who do we say that we are? Who do we say we are? Well, who we are really comes from what God does give us. And God gives us more than we could ever imagine, but let's just look at a couple of those things, some things that Paul really highlights in this letter. And the first is hope. That's our first point. God gives us hope. And we see it in verse 18. Let's look at that together. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. This word hope, this word hope, we can look at the definition from the dictionary from Merriam-Webster. The definition of hope is to desire with expectation or obtainment of fulfillment. It's that anticipation in a good way. It's being optimistic and expecting that there's going to be a positive outcome. And as I looked more at the meaning of hope, I also found that there's an element of confidence that's included. A confident expectation, a knowing. And just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, which is just like the pinnacle of hope, our hope. And we can look in the book of 1 Peter, where Peter talks about this, essentially about Easter. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth 
into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have hope because Jesus is alive. And we have complete forgiveness. We have a new life in Jesus. And we have this hope that when we die, we will spend forever, eternity with him. But not only do we have that hope for when we die in the afterlife, but God promises to give us hope now, in our lives now. But, you know, sometimes life has this way of things not quite working out how we had anticipated, how we expected, how we hoped. I mean, we, we listen to the news, and there are hard things we hear every day, hard things. We can sometimes feel more disappointed than we do hopeful, can't we? You know, maybe you're not able to go to the college that you had dreamed of. Or maybe you can't get pregnant. Or it could even be that you've lost a child. Or your parents are divorced. These hard things. Maybe your adult kids are far from knowing Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, sometimes this can be an extra sharp blow to us. Because maybe you felt God just saying to you, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. This is where you're supposed to go. This is going to happen. And you were all in and you had curved your entire life around it. But then it doesn't happen or it's not happening. And so we say, well, where is the hope in that? Where is the hope? And the book of Proverbs speaks to this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we've all had our hearts be sick from disappointments, haven't we? We sure have. And I think of Peter, who is one of Jesus' very best friends, and how he was no stranger to disappointments. And the verse we looked at a little earlier, it's going to pop back up on the screen, but it was written by him. And in this verse and the ones that follow it, it's mainly about the hope we have in eternal life. Like, what's going to happen after we die? The hope of being with God. But there's another place in the Bible where Peter is talking too, and he emphasizes a hope that we have right now. And that's going to be up on the screen. It's from the book of Acts. Um, it should pop up here soon, hopefully. But this is Peter talking, and he's quoting King David from the Old Testament in the book of Psalms. And this is what he says, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. What Peter is saying here is that God is with him, and that's why he has hope. I see that the Lord is with me, therefore my body can rest in hope. That's why. 
And the timing of Peter's words here is very significant because just several weeks before he said this is when Jesus died. And I cannot even imagine how devastating and hopeless that must have been for Peter to lose his best friend. I mean, he worked with Jesus. He walked all around the country with Jesus. He was cooking and sleeping and joking with Jesus. They were together all the time. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. I mean, this was the Jesus who literally handed out hope. He handed out hope by healing people who had been blind their whole life or had been crippled. He handed out hope to people just by spending time with them. I think of how he spent time with Mary Magdalene or Zacchaeus. And he taught them, you know, there's a new way to live. You don't have to be overcome with addictions. That I have hope for you, that those can be gone. Peter had been used to literally touching the living God. Jesus with him, and now he's gone. And even though Jesus had told Peter, you know, Jesus did say, Peter, I'm going to die, but I will come back to life, and then I'm going to go back to heaven. But what God is going to do, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of God who will still be with you. And even though Peter had heard those words, it was very hard to understand. It was hard for anybody to understand what was going to happen because no one at that time had any reference of the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? You know, we, we want you, Jesus. But right before he speaks those words in Acts, Peter and the other believers, they're all hanging out together. They're all in the same room, and the Holy Spirit comes. God keeps his promise. The Spirit is with them. And can you even imagine how much that much have meant to Peter? How much it meant that now he has the presence of the living God with him again. And this is where we see him say in Acts, I see that the Lord is always with me, always with me, and my body rests in hope. Peter's hope is the presence of God. And just like Peter, we are promised the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit with us now. He has never left. And we can be an expectant people because of that. And even when things are hard, when things look bleak, like nothing is going to work out, the presence of God is what reminds us that he is always working for good always, that God is restoring things now. That's why we have hope in this life. So God gives us hope. We also read here that God gives us power. So that's our second point. God gives us power. It's actually our last point today. So we're going to continue reading in our passage. Let's, let's pick up there in verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority 
or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. What amazing words for us to take to heart. Paul says we are fully complete in Jesus and that we have power. We do. And I think we've grown pretty used to seeing some power around us. Maybe we might not quite know that we're seeing it, but just think about the movies that we watch. So I live in a house with four boys. They're ages 10 to 43. So yes, my husband, he's still a self-proclaimed boy. He says it himself. That's the reason I can say that right now. But I've grown used to movies in our home that have lots of explosions, lots of action-packed scenes, lots of superheroes. And whether you not watch these, these movies or not, just by living in our culture, most of you probably recognize this guy on the screen, right? So who is that? That's right. We know it, right? We can just tell by looking. That's Superman, a very powerful guy. We've seen him lift a city bus. He can fly. He's got x-ray vision. Just by blowing, he can freeze objects. And even though we'd like Superman to be real, I'm sorry, he's not a real character, unfortunately. But there is a power that is very real, very real, that we can count on. And it is God's power. And that word power from our reading comes from a Greek word. The Greek word is dunamis. And here's what that word means. It means miraculous power, might, strength, effectiveness, ability, potential, And in our passage, Paul is really emphasizing how much power we have. He uses all these adjectives. He says that it's incredible. He says that there is a greatness to it, that it is mighty. And he says that it is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I think we need to stop and let that sink in with us. Sink in, it's that same power The same power that God used to bring Jesus back to life after three days. That same power that God used to take Jesus from this earth when his time was up and take him back to heaven. I mean, that is power. And it's real. And it's in us. And Jesus tells us how we will use this power. He says in John chapter 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Jesus' ministry continues through us. And he says we'll not only do the same things he did, but we'll do even greater things Let's just take a minute to think about some of the things Jesus did. We see him 
love people. He teaches the meaning of love. He loves the people who are hard to love in a real way. He heals people, people who, whose bodies are not working right in a wide variety of ways. He heals them. We see him bring people back to life. Literally, people who have died are back to life in the physical. He brings people back to life in the spiritual. And he introduces people to God the Father. He points to God the Father, and he says, You, 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 any of you can have relationship with God. It's for you. He points to God. He introduces people to God. And God gives us that same power to model the life Jesus lived. God gives us the power to hear his voice, to know him, and to point to Jesus, to point other people to Jesus and say, this is for you too. This is for you too. And in closing, I'm reminded of of Paul's words and even the other verses that we looked at today, that there is this, this language. One of the translations even says that Paul prays that the eyes of our heart would be opened to know how much hope and power we have. Because we're not going to know it on our own. We need God to reveal it to us. And God will. And so what I love about the vineyard is that our humility to come to him time and time again, every day to say, I need you more. I need you more. I need to better know you. I need to better know what this hope, what this power means. I need you. This constant reliance, this constant expectation and asking for more Because God wants us to ask over and over because he wants to give it to us over and over. It's just ready for our taking. He's holding it out in his hand to us. And so we're about to go into our baptisms, but I just want to pray. I just feel feel very compelled to pray um, for us, that we would know this, that in the rest of our time together, that God would keep giving us this knowing. So would you just pray with me um, real quick? God, thank you for your generosity, for your good gifts, for your love, your hope, your power. We thank you. And God, right now, would you open the eyes of our heart, like that deep part in us, that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know that you are with us. You love us. You give us good things. Help us to get that, Lord. And God, as we watch these amazing baptisms, as we sing to you, as we are here together, would you do that right now? Right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Andrew's going to come up and we're going to get to these baptisms. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.